So good morning everyone. Uh, as Sean and Liz said, my name is Tex and I'm on the staff team here at the church. If you're new, a super warm welcome to you. So glad you're able to join us today. Um, but also if this is where you say you'd normally worship, we're so glad that you're here today and uh, with us. We're continuing our sermon series in Luke. So if you missed that, um, you can head over to the church website or our YouTube channel to catch up with that. Andy started us off brilliantly, so it's definitely worth uh, one to, to catch up if you've missed it. Um, so today I'm going to be looking at a passage that is really familiar to us. It is where Gabriel comes uh, to Mary and gives her the message that she is going to have a son and his name is going to be Jesus. And uh, when we look at this passage, it, is, it really looks at God using Mary as a vessel for hope to the world. And I really believe that as Christians, we are to be uh, like Mary. We're supposed to carry something into the world. We're supposed to be vessels of hope that we carry Jesus into the world. And it's, you don't have to look far to see that the world is in need of hope, do we? We're in the middle of a pandemic and with that comes sickness, isolation, loneliness, um, you know, we really need hope in that area. Racial injustice is rife. It's happening in Reading. It's happening in our town. Um, but mental health issues are spiking. Suicide rates are spiking. The world is in need of hope. And Jesus wants us to be people who bring hope into those hopeless situations. Jesus wants us to be those people where, uh, to bring where there's darkness to bring light. And, and I really want us to bear that in mind as we read this passage, that God is calling all of us to be vessels of hope. So I'm going to pray and then Sarah's going to read the passage for us. Lord Jesus, I thank you so much for your goodness. Thank you for your mercy. Thank you for your kindness. Thank you that you have brought hope into the world, that you push back uh, the effects of sin every day through your people. And God, thank you that you love the world. You desire there to be uh, wholeness and community and that, that you, you desire that no one should be lonely or, or hurt or broken or alone. And God, thank you that that is your heart to see humanity flourish. God, I pray for us as we open the Bible together. I pray would your spirit come and work in us. I pray would none of us leave here the same as we've arrived. In Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. So Sarah, over to you. In the sixth month of Elizabeth's pregnancy, God sent the angel Gabriel to Nazareth, a village in Galilee, to a virgin named Mary. She was engaged to be married to a man named Joseph, a descendant of King David. Gabriel appeared to her and said, Greetings, favoured woman, the Lord is with you. Confused and disturbed, Mary tried to think what the angel could mean. Don't be afraid, Mary, the angel told her for you have found favour with God. You will conceive and give birth to a son and you will name him Jesus. He will be very great and will be called the Son of the Most High. The Lord God will give him the throne of his ancestor David and he will reign over Israel forever. His kingdom will never end. Mary asked the angel, but how can this happen? I am a virgin. The angel replied, the Holy Spirit will come upon you and the power of the Most High will overshadow you. So the baby to be born will be holy and he will be called the Son of God. 
What's more, your relative Elizabeth has become pregnant in her old age. People used to say she was barren, but she has conceived a son and is now in her sixth month. For the word of God will never fail. Mary responded, I am the Lord's servant. May everything you have said about me come true. And then the angel left her. Thank you, Sarah. So this is at this point uh, where we pick up is where Gabriel comes to Mary and he speaks to her. So there's opening verses. He comes to her in Galilee. But now we're going to pick up in verse 28 to 30. And it's at this point where Gabriel greets Mary, but she replies uh, with or she seems to be confused and disturbed as to why Gabriel is uh, is saying those things to her. But Gabriel then reaffirms her. I just want us to focus a little bit on why does Mary respond with confusion and even maybe being disturbed? But when we look at Mary and realize who she is in her culture as a woman, she is uh, most likely pushed out and not valued. She is marginalized. And uh, we can see that because those cultural norms have been placed on her, she's probably thinking, why would God want to use me? Why would uh, God want to uh, even say that I'm favoured and that he's with me? I'm an insignificant woman in an insignificant place. You know, it's, it's Mary kind of uh, discounting herself. But we see that God is not Uh, looking at those things and Mary is a representation of all those who are marginalized that Mary represents anyone who is pushed out by society but God doesn't look at what society looks at when we look at the Bible we actually often see that God loves to come to people whose society overlooks whose society says no way they could never be used for God's kingdom God loves to come to them and I wonder how many of us are like Mary We discount ourselves because of the narrative that's fed through to us by society. We think we aren't educated enough. We think we don't, uh, we're not influential enough. We don't have enough charisma. Uh, We don't have a, a public speaking gift. We don't have the right job. That why would God want to use us to be vessels of hope? But I just want to remind us that as we read this, God comes to us just as he did to Mary. And he wants to say to us that he knows us. He loves us and he is with us. And when we when we hear those words from Jesus, we then realize that we are are ready to be vessels for hope, just like Mary. So we see that after Mary uh, is affirmed in who she is and that God is with her, Gabriel, uh, he then tells her, Mary, you've got a mission that God has for you. You've got this hope to steward into the world. And this is where we see uh, Mary, uh, where Gabriel, he says, Mary, you're going to have a son. His name's going to be Jesus. And he is going to be this great king, uh, descended from the line of David. And he's going to rule over Israel and his kingdom's never going to end. And what Gabriel's doing is he is Uh, He is taking this Old Testament promise that all Jewish people knew. All Jewish people knew that there was a coming king that God promised who was going to free them from all oppression and his kingdom was never going to end. He's taking this old promise and he's saying it's now coming true. If we sum up the Bible, we could say that the Old Testament is uh, God making a promise and the New Testament is God keeping his promise. But the thing I want to really focus on here is, is this word kingdom that Gabriel says that this, 
this hope that you're going to usher into this world, this baby, he's going to bring into, he's going to bring in a new kingdom, and it's going to be very different to the one that's currently in power. And it's that at the current time, the Romans they rule, uh, they rule with uh, ruthlessness, they rule with military might, and they rule, they rule with an abuse of power. But Gabriel saying, no, the kingdom that your son is going to bring in is one of hope one of uh, compassion, one of love, one of freedom, one of mercy. That these two kingdoms are juxtaposed against one another. That there's one kingdom who, who society thinks this is the way it should rule, but then there's the kingdom of God. And it's ultimately, it, it's Gabriel reminding Mary, this is the kingdom that you are stewarding. When you're a vessel for hope, this is the kingdom that you're bringing in. The kingdom of Jesus is different to that kingdom. And for us as Christians, we carry the same kingdom. A kingdom that looks and treats people differently to what society does. So once we have uh, Mary here that she's known by God, she then has a mission and she has a powerful kingdom that she's carrying in her. We then hear her say, oh, how is this going to happen? I'm a virgin. This is a, a faithful question from Mary. And we then see the reply that Gabriel gives her. He says that the Holy Spirit is going to come upon her in power and she is going to have a son. And his name is going to be Jesus, the son of God, the one who is most high. And for us as Christians, uh, this is the, where the, uh, what we call the virgin birth. This is where it's introduced to us. And this is a fundamental piece of our faith. And it's a fundamental piece of our faith because it's in this moment that we see that Jesus is fully man and fully God. And those two elements are important because Jesus being fully man means that he's just like us. He has a physical body just like us. He feels emotion just like us. He, he experiences the range of them. He's some, he experiences anger, he experiences joy and everything in between. His body reacts the way that our does. You know, uh, in a culture that maybe uh, where dental health care is not a thing and brushing your teeth twice a day isn't a thing, uh, maybe has Jesus lost his teeth or some of his teeth? I know now you're thinking, text, don't say Jesus has lost his teeth. Um, but yeah, I read a book a while ago that, that just uh, challenged the idea of how we perceive Jesus to be. And I personally like to see Jesus uh, with a full set of teeth and an Invisalign smile. But the truth is, is that he's human just like us. And when de where uh, dental care isn't as big of a thing, Jesus may have very well lost his teeth, but shows us how human he is. But the difference between Jesus and us is that he is a sinless human being, where you and I and everyone and everyone else other than Jesus, we inherited sin from Adam. It's been passed down from generation to generation to generation. But Jesus broke that line where he stands parallel with Adam. And he says, no, I have not inherited sin in any shape or form because I've not been, I was not born through natural procreation. I have been conceived by the Holy Spirit. And it's in this moment that we see that Jesus is our sinless saviour. And because he is a sinless man, he is able to save all of humankind. 
Galatians 4 helps us understand this. It says, but when the fullness of time had come, God sent forth his son, born of a woman under the law to redeem those who were under the law so that we might receive adoptions as sons. Jesus came as a human being to save human beings, but because he didn't sin, he was the perfect sacrifice. But then we get the element that Jesus is fully God. He is the incarnate son of God that has existed before time, like we read in John. But what makes Jesus unique and how we know he is the he is fully God is that he is the only one who is able to forgive sin. He is the only one who can forgive sin. Many came and tried to say that uh, this is the way that sin can be forgiven. But when Jesus dies on the cross, because he is fully God, he is able to forgive sin or past sin and all future sin. That's what Jesus does. He comes and he forgives it. You know, it's that, that beautiful moment on the cross where Jesus says, it is finished. Only Jesus can say it is finished because he is God and he has ended the reign of sin in our lives then and there. You know, where the enemy thought they may have won when Jesus' body was in the tomb, because Jesus was fully God, he rose again on the third day and said, death, you have no hold on me or my people. Jesus being fully God and fully man is the reason that you and I can have relationship with the living God, the creator of the universe. Because Jesus was fully God and fully man, we can have relationship. And it's by those means that we can be vessels of hope. And that's who we carry. And uh, the fundamental point being made here, it's not about Mary. It's about who she is carrying. We see that there isn't any pressure on Mary to be a vessel of hope. There isn't some clever, uh, unique way in terms of her being a vessel for hope. It's just her simply relying on the Holy Spirit to come and do his work in her and in us. You know, as a Christian, there is no pressure on us either to to be vessels of hope we don't have to rely on our own cleverness our own ingenuity our own uh, charisma to be vessels of hope and even our own wisdom all we need to do is lean into god and say holy spirit would you come and work in me and i know that god by his holy spirit will come and fan into flame the gifts he has for you to be a vessel of hope because the important thing here it's not who's doing the carrying, but it's who they carry. I'm going to say that again. It's not about who is doing the carrying, but it's who they are carrying. And as Christians, we carry the power of the living God in us. We carry the hope of the living God in us. So we see that Mary starts off... Uh, uh, being reminded that God is with her. She then knows she has a mission and she now knows that she is um, that she is carrying something powerful. She is carrying something significant. And then we have a very different break uh, where Gabriel tells Mary that your relative Elizabeth is also expecting a son. And there are a few things that you can pull out 
uh, from this passage about barrenness and our fruitfulness and that contrast, which I do think is important, that God's word never fails and his promise to bring fruitfulness to Israel, it has come. But as I've been preparing, the thing that I really want to focus on, or or the thing that was really highlighted to me by the Holy Spirit is the idea of Mary being Elizabeth's relative. The Greek word here, the alternative is family. And this idea that they're both going to be family, so that they're a family, but they're both in the same stage of life, that they're both expecting sons. And I really feel it's that God wanted to remind us that to be vessels of hope, we don't do so alone. We don't do so in isolation, but we actually do it in a sense of community. And the thing I really, really believe is that God, that Jesus hasn't intended for our faith to be in these tidy boxes of this is me and this is what I do. And I just get uh, my other, I get my, my church family to have a little peek uh, at the bits that I want them to peek in. No. Jesus wants us to be proper family, like a Middle Eastern family who are involved with every area of their lives. You know, it's in our church name, Reading Family Church. God wants us to to do uh, life and to be vessels of hope in family. He wants us to carry one another's burdens as we continue to be vessels of hope. So I want us to remember, God doesn't want us to be vessels of hope on our own. And it's at this point we see Mary's response after she knows uh, that God is with her, that she has a mission, she's carrying something powerful and she's not on her own. What is Mary's response? It is, I am the Lord's servant. I love that. I love that saying Um, because it, it echoes loads of Isaiah as well, doesn't it? Where Isaiah says, here I am, Lord, send me. And uh, I think this, I love that saying because for Mary, this isn't an easy yes. For Mary, this will cost her. It will cost her dearly. It will cost her her reputation. It will cost her her safety. To be a pregnant woman who isn't married in that culture, she could be stoned and killed. And she could be pushed out by society, by her community and left to fend for herself. It costs Mary. And it costs us to be vessels of hope. It really does cost us. You know, the thing that I, I feel like I can't get away from when I read the Bible, particularly Jesus's words and a lot of the Bible, is that Jesus says it's going to cost us to follow him. To bring his kingdom into the world, it's going to cost us, even so much as our lives. You know, Jesus, lay down your life. Even later in Luke, Jesus says, you've got to hate everything about your previous life if you want to follow me. Every element of it. You can't keep any of it if you want to follow me. He says, you've got to leave everything behind. There's a massive cost to following Jesus. Jesus has challenging words. But Jesus also has really comforting words. He, the same Jesus who gives us that challenge of it costing everything. He also comforts us by saying, come to me, all who are weary, 
all who are weak. You know, he says, come to me, my burden is light, my yoke is easy. You know, Jesus does imply there is a burden that we have to carry and there is a yoke. We follow his lead, we're attached to him. And I really trust this man who says these words. And the reason I trust him is because Jesus doesn't send us anywhere he hasn't been. He has suffered, he has lost his life. And he has, you know, he suffered for the cost of being the hope of the world. But he has also known comfort in the Father and the Holy Spirit. And he offers both those things to us. He says it will cost us to be vessels of hope, but you can find comfort in me. And without a doubt, I really believe that, that we do on an individual level experience God's renewing strength when we come to him utterly broken on our knees and we pour ourselves out to him. I 100% believe that God comes to us and he meets us by his spirit and he rejuvenates us. And where we're thirsty, we, we no longer thirst and we come back to Jesus. But I know that uh, being a Christian, it's more than just an individual experience. But there is also an element of us experiencing that comfort through our church community. The best way I think I can explain it is that that image of um, Moses and it's Aaron and Joshua, I think, in Exodus, where their hands are, uh, where Moses has to lift up his hands. And if he if he puts them down, the Israelites lose the battle. And Aaron and Joshua, either side, they are holding his hands up when they get tired. They uh, they keep lifting them up. And that's what. Uh, that's how we can know the comfort of Jesus Christ in church community. It's when we carry one another's burdens that we are holding each other's hands up saying, come on, keep going, almost there, almost there, let's keep going. It is worth it that Jesus is coming back and it is all worth it for our faith. It's encouraging one another. And there is that spiritual encouragement, but maybe in those moments we also get to meet a practical need. And this is what I want to close with today. Is that it will cost us to follow Jesus. But we haven't done We aren't in this alone. You know, I really uh, believe that God is speaking to people right now. Uh, about knowing that you have a calling. That uh, God has placed. Uh, gifts in you he's placed passions in you to bring hope into those world uh, to into those areas of the world that God wants you to be a vessel of hope and uh, if you feel uh, like your heart is racing a little bit that you feel the spirit of God is working in you can I encourage you to uh, hit the prayer button or um, email the church office I would love to pray with you this week but if you just feel God is uh, reminding you of your purpose and destiny in him uh, do do uh, get some prayer. But what I want us to leave here with is all of us knowing, not just the people who feel are stirring now, is that God has a purpose and plan for us to be vessels of hope in the world. We don't have to rely on our own strength, our own uh, abilities, but we can trust the living God and his spirit that is working in us to be a hope to those around us. And when I say hope, uh, hope to those around us, I don't just mean um, in our workplaces or places outside of church. I mean it in every sphere, 
It's in our, it is in our workplace, in our families, in our friendships, in, the, in our gyms, in our toddler groups, in our, uh, to our neighbours. It is all of those things that we bring hope into all of those areas. And God wants us to do that. And it will cost us, but we know that we're not alone. We have a church community and we have the Holy Spirit in us, equipping us. So I'm going to pray and then we can uh, go on from there. Lord Jesus, I thank you so much for your grace and your mercy in our lives. I thank you that uh, you have equipped us to be vessels of hope, that you have shown us ultimately what it's like to live. God, I want to pray for each and every one of us this week. Would we know what it means to be vessels of hope? I pray we have the courage to do so. Um, I pray would we also be aware of those who we could help um, in our journeys uh, of following you. But Lord, I, I pray would we be those who are quick to bring your kingdom, quick to bring hope to those who need hope. But thank you for your grace and your mercy, Lord Jesus. We love you so much. I pray for those of us who need a fresh encounter from you, uh, who, who need to just know the sweet, tender whisper of the Lord in our ear saying, I'm here, come all who are weary. I pray would those people be rejuvenated and are able to run fresh again uh, for your glory in Jesus' name. Amen.